Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up, she's moving nicely. She's got a hit. Yes! Sally Stegger, 132.67, has won at least the medal. She's 0.24 up. You, you keys. On the ice for the Gimlet. The Gimlet stopping. Sending these golden games have their crowning moments. He's off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you once again for another athlete interview. We're getting so close to the Beijing Olympics. Can you smell them? They are so close. I can feel the coldness. I can feel the snow. I can feel the ice. I can feel everything about it, and it's all excitement. And we have nothing but Winter Olympic athlete interviews from now until the Olympic Games, until we do our preview episode and a special episode that we will have for you, of course, just before that. We've just celebrated our 200th episode, and we are celebrating our next athlete interview today. And we're going back straight into speed skating. We had Daniel Gregg on a couple of episodes ago. We're straight back into speed skating with a guest who... He actually mentioned in his interview, Daniel Gregg, he mentioned a certain American by the name of Chad Hedrick, and that is the athlete we have on the show today, an absolute legend of the sport, both speed skating and inline skating. If you want to talk about the greatest inline speed skater in the history of all inline speed skating, you mentioned the name Chad Hedrick. This man won over 50 world championships, over 90 national championships. This guy has goat written all over him. He is a man that Daniel mentioned about switching from inline to speed skating. And then Chad went on to great success in speed skating circles to a five-time Olympic medalist, won gold in Turin in the 5,000 meters, as well as winning two silver medals and two bronze medals across two Olympics in both Turin and Vancouver. An absolute storied career. And Chad talks a great deal about sort of his successes and everything that kind of led him into switching from inline speed skating in to 
ice speed skating. We learn a little bit about the sport of inline speed skating, about how it nearly actually came into Atlanta. Daniel talked about how during the 2010s, there was a big push to include inline speed skating at the Summer Olympics, and it very nearly happened in Atlanta. And a very interesting story about a visit to the Olympics as a child and basically seeing every single sport except the one sport he probably should have gone to see. So this is a very interesting chat, a very fascinating chat, and a great interview here with the one, the only, Mr. Chad Hedrick, American five-time Olympic medal-winning speed skater, and you're about to hear it right now. Only a couple of episodes ago, we mentioned that we had never had anyone on this show from the sport of speed skating. So much do we love the sport that we thought we'd just keep talking about it because we're getting closer and closer to Beijing and we want to continue to talk all things Winter Olympic. And we have a massive guest on the show today. He's a five-time Olympic medalist, two-time Olympian. Outside of the sport of speed skating, he's dominated the sport of inline speed skating, winning over 50 world championships, over 90 national championships. And the one fact that I also love that I found out in the lead up to this interview, the first ever Texan to win a winter Olympic gold medal. It's a pleasure to welcome (laughs) off the podium, Mr. Chad Hedrick. Chad, first of all, pleasure to have you on the show today, mate. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here and, and chat with you this morning. It's it's exciting to go through all those achievements, but to actually realize that, to have that distinction that you will forever be the first ever Texan to win <laughs> a Winter Olympic gold medal. I mean, that, that's got to rate up pretty highly with all those achievements there, that you from the great state of Texas, the first ever Winter Olympian to win a gold medal. Well, come to like. Honestly, until you said it, I didn't really think of it. I thought how awkward it was from a guy from Houston, Texas, to be able to <laughs> win an Olympic, uh, winter Olympic medal. Um, but, uh, you know, I never thought of it as the first Texan. So that's that's kind of cool. Which I think if my research is correct, you are one of only two. Justin Olsen won a gold in Vancouver as part of bobsleigh. So uh, I believe there are now only two of you. So it's a very distinct club and i think as an australian yeah very i mean as an australian and we're we're sort of on the rarity of winning winter olympic gold medals so we kind of feel that from the texan perspective there that it's kind of a nice little uh club to sort of be in but i i'm so fascinated about your career because you you basically were born with skates on your feet chat i mean you essentially were born in to the sport in in some sort of of weird way was this always destiny that you were kind of bound to always end up uh pursuing skating be it ice or on non-ice essentially yeah so i'm gonna wrap it up in a nutshell really quick so i don't bore everybody but here's (laughs) Here's what happened. Uh, my my parents, they started a family business. And here in America, uh, we have something called roller rinks. Um, it's where uh, people come to roller skate. They listen to music. They have birthday parties. They, you know, it's the cool place to be when you're in middle school and, and just getting into uh, the beginning of high school. Uh, so, as my parents were operating the family business, um, of course, I was just an infant. And uh, at 17 months old, my mom and dad decided to throw skates on my feet for the first time. And uh, essentially, I learned how to walk on a pair of skates. They they tighten the wheels on the conventional roller skates up. And um, that's really how I learned how to walk. And as soon as my dad 
started seeing that I was gaining balance uh, and able to handle handle everything. Then uh, what did they do? They came behind me and and took that wrench and just loosened the wheels up a little bit at a time. So wow. that progression, uh, you know, within a year's time, uh, I was I was up and going, man. <laughs> Fantastic. Wow. Jeez. I, I always joke when we have our Canadian guests on that they're born with skates on their feet, but I think, you know, even people in Texas are clearly born with uh, skates on their, their feet as well. Do you remember sort of then at, at what point you, you've you got this ability to skate, but then all of a sudden you want to skate fast? Like, was that something that as, a, as we all do as kids, we kind of want to go fast, we kind of want to do crazy things? Was this something that you just enjoy the speed aspect of having these skates on your feet? Well, as a child, there's memories you can never forget, you know, things that are just in your in your brain forever. And um, the things that were important to me, uh, we would have uh, what they call it's simply called the races. And when you uh, when you get all the kids at the roller rink and they're there, there's several hundred kids out there and everybody goes in age divisions and you get to win like a Coke or uh, a cup of popcorn or whatever when you win. Well, obviously I already got that, that stuff free anyway, my dad owned the place, but it was, (laughs) it was really, really important for me to win every race. And I would usually race kids that were four five, six years older than me, uh, growing up. And, uh, in my town, uh, people knew that, uh, that I had a special gift, uh, really, really early. And, um, we, um, I just continued to, to practice and really, just invest in myself. And I had a true passion for it. I can look back and I can honestly say, you know, all the hard work that I put into it didn't really feel like work. It felt like it was just something I was supposed to do because that was my gift. And I needed to present that to the world, if you will. Obviously starting on sort of roller skates and then eventually switching to inline and the success that you had throughout that sport, just in terms of the Olympics itself, did you sort of harbor any ambitions to be an Olympian at any point before you ultimately switched to speed skating? I mean, were you playing other sports that could have seen you maybe go to the Olympics in a different sport outside of speed skating? So I played four or five different sports, uh, highly competitive. It's just my, just my way it's it's black or white either i'm in or i'm out and um so i played a lot of different sports um but at the end of the day when i was 15 i had to decide what i was really going to do and the funny thing you ask about the olympics was when i was 11 years old uh, i went to calgary um, and they had the olympics in 1988 Uh, we were invited out there uh, by one of my friends and and his father and we went out there for about a week and it's kind of humorous that the only sport that i didn't watch in the 1988 olympics live was speed skating wow geez you just you you just (laughs) never know where life's gonna take you and just like you saying man you're the first texan to win a winter olympic medal well I bought into that, you know, this was, it was something I was never going to do. And, and as, as relative as it was for me growing up in a roller rink, you would have thought that it would have been like important for me to go check out ice speed skating. Right. Yeah. But it never even crossed my mind. Wow. 
That's crazy to think that because I would assume that seeing an event like that at such a young age would have the ability to inspire you and maybe kind of spark something within you. But maybe it was just a case because you're seeing the bobsled, you're seeing the hockey, you know, you're seeing the skiing, yeah. you're not seeing that one sport that you're kind of technically doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the progression kind of worked like this. You know, I was on conventional roller skates from, you know, when I could walk all the way till about, uh, I think, probably around 14 years old, we had a club here in a, at our roller rink and we would travel to different states. And like you, you were listing off all the national championships, but from a real young age, I was traveling across the country on conventional roller skates. But then we figured out real fast that inline skates were much faster. And then, you know, the rollerblade craze uh, came and everybody had them. Everybody was skating in the street. Everybody was playing street hockey. It was a big thing here in America. I don't know if it was there in Australia the same. 100%, but, uh, yeah. So we 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 changed to inline skates, and it wasn't four wheels. It was five wheels, and the technology got better. And you got where you could skate 30, 35 miles an hour, which I guess is around 60, 62 kilometers, I guess. Um, so it things changed really, really quickly. And then – uh, after traveling from 16 years old to 26 to 42 different countries with just a backpack and a pair of skates, uh, you know, with numerous sponsors and I was a professional uh, and the fastest man in the world for, for 10 straight years. Um, I would tell people what I did and nobody even understood what inline speed skating was. Wow. And it was kind of, if I'm, if I'm honest with you, it was kind of, it was a bummer. It was, it was, it was tough to swallow that you invest your whole life into something. And then uh, there's absolutely no notoriety at all. And being the world champion at what you do and people were like, what? So um, I, I had a, a wild hair and I decided that I was going to switch sports and I was going to move from Houston. I packed everything up here in Houston I moved to Salt Lake City, uh, where the venue was for the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City, and I started over. And, th and that was the path. That was the path, and that's when it really began and where, you know, I had the opportunity to, to spotlight my skills on, on the world level as far as, uh, you know, getting, getting notoriety and people actually understanding my, my talent. Which it's interesting, the the one speed skater that we've had on the show, Daniel Gregg, uh, he, he talked about watching you, your transition from inline to speed skating because he was also on a similar path. He was an inline skater and switched to speed skating and kind of took you as a bit of a an inspiration. And, I mean, it's it must be an interesting moment that time when you make that decision and go on to ice being so used to dominating one sport to all of a sudden basically being on the bottom. It's kind of like when you go from, you know, elementary school, primary school into high school, you're going from the top straight to the bottom again, right? So, I mean, how did you find those initial moments competing when you're finding your feet, literally, and then working your way up to the ladder, which eventually led to an Olympic gold medal? Well, being the best in the world at something and then going and, and starting over again, um, there was a lot of expectations from other people. They knew that I was coming over. The, the worlds are connected, but not connected, if you know what I mean. And so um, I went there and there was a really challenging time for me because uh, I went out there and the first day I, I really remember going out there and just 
thinking this wasn't the right move for me and really being challenged for the first two, three, four months. And um, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, you know what, this is, this is make or break time. And uh, if I'm going to do this, uh, I, I need to need to go as hard as I can and I need to learn as much as I can. And uh, fortunately for me, um, I chose to, to fight. And uh, four months later, um, we uh, had qualifications for the U.S. national team. And I was actually able to qualify for the national team just after four months on the ice, which was crazy. Um, and just uh, a year and a half after that, I was, uh, I was world champion. And then uh, just over two years, uh, I went to Torino, Italy, uh, and won the first gold medal for Team USA uh, for our country. And this wow. was all happening just so quickly, um, almost to the fact that I really couldn't digest it. It was, uh, it was people didn't expect somebody coming from Texas to to do the things that I did. And uh, it was, it was I, took, I took the sport overnight uh, and really changed a lot of things about it. My style, uh, you know, the, the, the speed skating world was more of a time trial type, uh, you race the clock type of, of, of sport. And I came from a racing background. And so all the middle distance to long distance races, uh, became races they didn't they weren't time trials anymore they were hey i'm gonna skate fast and then the last three laps four laps i'm gonna look at my partner on the other lane and i'm gonna it's gonna be a test of will and so uh i think the the, the thing that i'm proudest about is really impacting the sport in a way that it really was a test of your your strength your, your mental strength at the end of the race to be able to say, you know what, we're not racing the clock, we're racing each other and I'm about to bury you and I wanna see what you have. You know, it was a completely, complete mind shift versus the traditional speed skating from years and years ago where they were out there skating pretty and, and had this smooth technique. This was a different mentality where you just look at them and you're like, okay, it's time to go. What do you have? You know, it's, it's crazy to think that progression that as you were saying that with only a few years, you literally switch a sport and then you're an, an Olympic champion. I mean, that's just insane, Chad, to think that. I mean, what what is that moment like when you were standing on the dais here in the Star Spangled Banner with that medal around your neck? I mean, was it just a case of, all right, well, this is what I wanted. On to the next one. I can keep going for the rest of these Olympics. Uh, you know, it was it definitely happened fast. And, and, you know, I just thought about all the times that I invested in myself and and never gave up. And all the friends that had, I mean, quite honestly, when you're an when you're an athlete at this level, with this type of commitment, there's a lot of sacrifices that are made. And I remember um, the things that I did growing up um, that led me to a, a life in junior high in high school that was much different than your normal kid. You know, I didn't know any better, and I'm proud that I was able to to withhold and and, and re really just continue that that 
schedule, that, that mentality, that focus on being the best, because there's a lot of things that are, are deterrents for you to, to reach that. And, um, I have friends come up to me today that I went up to, that I went to high school with. And they tell me this straight to my face. They say, Chad, we had no idea what you were doing when we were in high school, but we wow. wish we would have been doing it with you now. Wow. Jeez. That's crazy. That, Which, I mean, that, that a- that's just a huge compliment that you're able to, the commitment levels there. And, yeah. and, and that you, there was no finish line. There was really like, I was going from this to this to this and this progress. And there was no real, like, this is the finish line. I was just doing it because I loved it. And I was, I was committed and I was passionate and guess what? It took me somewhere, but really I had no idea where I was going. All I knew is I, I liked it. Which is what you want to do. You want to do something that you like, obviously at the end of the day. But I mean, also going back to your point where you said that, you were winning multiple, multiple world championships in one sport and many people weren't knowing what you were doing. But then all of a sudden, you win one race and you become a household name. Uh, you come back from Italy with three medals around your neck as well. I mean, it kind of... How does that feel knowing that you've just... You've dominated one sport for a decade? I mean, if you were doing that in speed skating, you'd probably be up there with the Michael Phelpses of the world as, you know, one of the most, you know, famous names in the US. But you've changed to one sport. You've won a three medals, which you probably just do on a Saturday at a usual inline meet. Now, all of a sudden, everybody knows your name. Well, what, what a lot of people don't know, we almost made the Olympics in 1996 for the Atlanta Olympics with inline skating. And um, when that happened, it was kind of the peak of inline speed skating, that era right there. And when it didn't happen, it really took the air out of my tires. And it was it was very disappointing. Um, I always think, what if that would have happened? Uh, and how different would my life have been? How, how would I have been able to impact those around me? Um, would I ever have ice speed skated? And the answer is probably not um, because people would have realized, you know, the, the, the talent that I had and I would have been able to, to represent my country the way that I wanted to in front of the world and in front of billions of people. And um, that, that 1996 moment kind of changed everything. And so that from 1996 to stepping on the podium in 2006, uh, that was a strange time where I never thought I was going to be able to be an Olympian. And then all of a sudden overnight, I had the opportunity. So uh, I was determined to make it happen. Before I touch on Vancouver, the man that you beat in Turin, a certain Sven Kramer, may have gone on to win a few more uh, gold medals over the years, maybe the last three, potentially a fourth very, very soon. I mean, how do you look back now thinking that you beat maybe who will become the greatest speed skater of all time to win your gold medal? I mean, does that kind of add a little bit of weight on it, seeing the success that Sven has gone on to have since you beat him back in Turin? I mean, he, it seems like he's been winning for 20 years now since I since I quit. I mean, if we're honest, it's... Uh, I got to experience something very interesting in sports and nobody is, uh, nobody's, uh, too good to reach a point where it's the end of the road. And I went and I raced for many, many years and I always stepped to the line and I knew that I was going to win or I knew I, I was highly likely to win. 
When I was 32 years old, Sven Kramer introduced me to the opposite side. (laughs) (laughs) For the first time in my life, I knew there was a guy that was six or eight years younger than me that may have been a little stronger than me, that recovered a little better than me, that may have been a little more confident than me. And that introduced me to uh, the decision that I had to make to, uh, to move in a different direction after, after 2010. And everybody in the world, it doesn't matter if you're Michael Jordan, everybody in the world at one point or another faces that. And it's a, it's a somber time, honestly, (laughs) but it is one that everybody faces and we're all human. And, um, you know, since then I've watched Finn, uh, just dominate the sport. He's the the greatest of all time. And for me to think that that was, I was the last person to, to really beat him, um, in his, his core events, um, was certainly an honor. And him and I have become great friends since. And, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty special uh, just to, just to know and look back and and see where he is now and, and how we battled early on. We also beat him again, uh, come Vancouver in the team pursuit, the the famous semifinal win, of course, uh, you went on to win the silver in that event. I mean, how do you rate that medal up against say your gold from Turin beating a, a highly fancy Dutch team, uh, you know, in, in Olympics when we all know how good the Dutch are generally when it comes to the speed skating. I mean, was was that almost as good as, as winning the gold in, in Turin to be able to achieve that? Let me tell you, uh, the team pursuit uh, beating the Dutch was probably my biggest accomplishment in sports. Um, everybody says, oh, well, it's a silver medal. Yeah, well, you know what? I had two partners um, that were in their first event as Olympians. Um, it was my time, uh, to really become a leader and really encourage these guys and, and get them in a position to perform their best. Um, we almost won the gold medal. Um, but at the end of the day, I learned a lot about life through that event right there. And really, um, going past speed skating and starting a life in business afterwards, I always look back at that moment and understanding how I can encourage, how I can challenge, how I can hold those around me accountable um, for their, for their actions. And that moment before that race with those two, two kids, those two rookies, um, was definitely a moment that really molded me as a leader way beyond sports. So I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But people think I'm crazy that a silver medal was, was my biggest accomplishment. Well, when you again you're beating the the, the Dutch, I mean it's it's no different to you know if if you, you mentioned Michael Jordan, if you're meeting if you're beating the 1998 Chicago Bulls in the you know the conference finals on the way to losing the NBA finals, I'm sure you'll take that in some weird way, won't you? Because you beat the goat uh, at what he's doing at his peak, right? <laughs> well, let me let me say at the time at the time I'm I'm reflecting now, but at the time second place kind of sucked if we're honest. But um, now. It's, it's now, one of those sort of moments you can sort of look back on and sort of realize that because I, I read I sort of read a few interviews with you where you talked about sort of after Turin how you kind of had a different mindset coming home with you, you know not ultimately three gold medals but I mean obviously now 15 years later you can sort of reflect on that differently and, and do you find that that kind of helps you as you were saying then in what you pursued after 
your Olympic career. You're obviously now into real estate and everything along those lines too. And that those sort of challenges that you overcome and can reflect on now are, are helping you in your professional life now. Yeah, let me tell you, um, when you're the best in the world at something, and ultimately you have to stop at one point, which everybody does, there's a transition period. Uh, and and kind of, I explained to this, this to somebody this weekend, kind of like your only child got, got, uh, got, got taken from you, got kidnapped. It's what you focused on and what you've invested everything in your whole life. And all of a sudden it's gone. And there's a lot of identity uh, that's behind that. You figure out who you are as a man, what's important to you, what your life is based on. And it's a deep, deep moment. And there's a lot of failure that follows that because you're starting something new again. I go back to that first day coming from inline skates onto ice skates. It's a test. It's a test whether you're gonna succeed or you're gonna throw your hands up and go back where you're comfortable. And every day since then, I I retired uh, in 2010 It's been 11 years. There's been a lot of failure. Uh, I've had a a startup business that failed. I've had a a lot of just challenging, challenging times as a leader, not only for for my own life, but my family, leading my family, uh, my wife, my three children, uh, thinking that I'm the provider for our family. I'm the hunter. And the word success has really haunted me for a long time because I was used to having massive success. And when you go and you start a complete new life, you're not the best. The next month after you stop skating and you enter the world of sales or you enter the world as whatever it may be, whatever that next step is, it takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. And so for me, I went back to that 17 month old, lock your wheels up as tight as they could, restrict me so I can learn how to do this. And it's been a process and 11 years later, I'm so thankful. There's been a lot of scars, a lot of pain, a lot of tears, Um, but ultimately, um, man, I've learned so much about myself. My business is now thriving. I have a business that is built on leadership, accountability, dedication. Um, I have people around me in my business that that are excited with the way that I'm leading and the way that uh, that I'm helping them. And the silver medal race. I mean, I go back to it all. It's a it's full circle, man. Great, great. And the business from gold to sold, I, I love the name of it. It just works perfectly, Chad. I mean, tell us quickly a little bit of, about it and, and people who are maybe listening, uh, where they can find out if they're listening to us uh, in, in Houston or wherever they are to maybe, you know, get in contact yeah. if they're interested in what you're providing. Yeah, so Houston is a melting pot. Man, we, we have, uh, I think we're four, the third or fourth largest city in America now. Uh, we're very cultural. Uh and, you know, a lot of people are coming here. We've got a great economy. Uh, my team, Gold to Sold Group, we started about three years ago. Um, I've been building it. 
I built my own personal business and now I'm bringing people in to make a difference in, in people's lives around me. People that, uh, that I see promise in and that I'm challenging them to, to be able to serve their clients and build a real business. And uh, we work under Compass Real Estate, which is the uh, luxury brokerage here in, uh, in the U.S. Uh, and uh, we have been serving clients for, you know, like I said, three years now. We've, sold, we've, we've worked with uh, over 150 families and it's been absolutely incredible uh, to be able to, to, I love it because everybody needs a place to live. And it's as, as corny and cheesy as it sounds, a lot of things in life with your job don't really affect people. They don't really affect, there's no fulfillment behind it. And ultimately, when you find somebody a great place to live or you affect, you know, the family, kids wanting to go to certain schools or, or a kid wanting a swimming pool, it, it's, it's silly, I know. But at the end of the day, when you when you sign those papers with them, uh, man, it's it's a great feeling to know you serve people and, and you've strengthened relationships. And uh, this is just my experience. And I was in the oil and gas business before selling uh, software and I would I would do it. And at the end of the day, it was just a it was just a transaction. So for me, uh, with Gold to Soul Group, I've been able to really have some impact on the world. I've been able to be fulfilled through my business. And man, that's that's what I've been seeking. But please tell me that when you do sell a house, that you whip out the gold medal and sort of bring it to a celebrate. Like, I feel like there needs to be something happening there, Chad. Like, it's, part of, it's in the name itself, right? Like, you've got to bring it out. Yeah, so we, we, we have a, a big logo uh, that is, looks like a medal. And it's getting, it's getting to the point where people are actually requesting for us to bring that with us because that's, <laughs> that's important for them for that photo and celebrating, which is super cool. You know, it's like yeah. you're building a brand. Uh, the other day I went to the Apple store. This is just a crazy, crazy example. But I went to the Apple store at the mall. The Apple store doesn't even have a logo in front of it. People just know what it is. Yeah. It's the craziest thing. Yep. So building a brand and, and something that people are excited about and are, are recognizing is, uh, is something that's super cool and um, relating our business with excellence and dedication and sacrifice and luxury. That is, that's kind of where we are. And I've got people uh, on my team that are, are committed to doing that. And we, we have some great people that uh, are, you know, are working along with me to make it happen. Fantastic. If people want to check it out, plug it. Go for it, Chad. Plug. Where can they find out more information? Yeah, well, you, you can call me at uh, 866-383-GOLD or uh, go to goldtosold.com. Uh, you know, I serve uh, clients from all around the world. Um, we have referral partners all around the world. So uh, believe it or not, I've had even uh, even some Dutch clients coming in wow. to the oil and gas business here in Houston, and I've been able to serve them. So it's... Uh, they're not hanging on to resent from 2010 or anything. Then they're, they're over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're okay. Actually, okay, actually the Dutch are probably the best sports fans I've ever seen in my life. There's, there's no hard feelings. And if I, if I walked into, into Amsterdam right now, they'd probably want to give me high fives. It's uh, it's been a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. 
Great, great. Chad, it has been an absolute pleasure to be able to hear about your, your amazing career and everything that you've been up to, to since. And we've got a friend now joining us on there. Is this, is this a new puppy? Is it look, looks very young. Yeah, about about three months old here. We, we just wow. had a dog uh, pass away here about uh, four months ago. So we got, got this little girl. This is Honey. She's gorgeous. Wow. There you go. Wow. Well, just a bonus to this uh, great chat. Chad, seriously, a lot of fun, mate. Really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, is this part where I say go Astros right now? Obviously quite uh, uh, That's pr- right. appropriate. That's right. Yeah, don't, don't worry about the American football team. Like we're... <laughs> That's, that's horrible, but it's Astro fever right now, and uh, everybody's really, really excited about it. Fingers crossed. Go Astro. your knowledge. I'm impressed with your knowledge of American baseball. I, I will say that I, as a White Sox fan, I may still be a bit sad over you knocking us out, but, uh, you know, they always say that uh, once you get knocked out right, you should go for the team that knocks you out, I feel, so... Uh, maybe that's why I can uh, hang on to that and, and not necessarily go go along with being bitter. <laughs> so I'll go, go Astros, basically. You knocked us out, so I'll keep going for you guys. <laughs> yeah, unless they're the Red Sox or the Yankees, then you don't. Exactly. Screw those guys. We don't care about yeah. them. <laughs> Chad, <laughs> seriously, mate, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us and off the podium today. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. And a massive, massive thanks there to Chad for his time. Such a great chat. And I will say that if you want to watch that interview, it is available on YouTube. This is our very first video interview that will be available on YouTube. Now, as a weird sort of tangent slash teaser in the way we kind of produce and record these episodes, there may be an episode that we air after the Beijing Olympics in which we will say, hey, it's our first video interview. Well, we decided rather than just airing them straight after the Beijing Olympics, we thought we would do every interview that we do after our 200th episode in video format as well where we can. So uh, we're excited to say that you can watch this interview with myself and Chad on our YouTube channel. Simply search for Off The Podium on YouTube and you'll be able to find that. We will tag it on our social media as well. So we uh, hope to bring you these interviews long time coming in video form as well right now it will just be our video interviews we not really planning on probably doing our daily coverage during beijing for video things you don't want to stare at mine jared and colin's face for for an hour or so you want to stare at these guests that we've got on the show these great guests and uh chad of course is one of those so search search off the podium on youtube You'll be able to find that on there. Quick note to say that obviously too that uh, we we record these as I'm sure you are well aware. Some of these interviews several months in advance, so therefore uh, the little reference to the Astros there just uh, recorded around about the time of the World Series just starting. So uh, let's let's pop that continuity bubble there just to uh, get you fully on board as to why Ben are you cheering for the Astros in January that doesn't make sense but now it probably does we've got so many more great athletes coming with an episode every single day now between now and the start of the Beijing Olympics which then means that we're going to basically have an episode every single day between now and essentially the next month so if you love our voices if you love off the podium you're going to be busy for the next month because you're going to be hearing athlete interviews, all winter Olympians in the lead up to the Beijing Olympics, as well as daily coverage during the Beijing Olympics. So, so excited to be able to bring you coverage of all of these sports that we're covering. We are going to tick off 
very shortly, possibly even in our next episode, the final Winter Olympic sport that we've never had an athlete on the show. I teased it back in the Daniel Gregg interview. I said, speed skating is the second last sport that we haven't gotten an athlete on from. And I didn't even mention what the other sport was. That sport is ski jumping. And we have lined up not only one, but several ski jumpers coming to you. So we may end up having more ski jumpers on the show than we've ever had skeleton races before the Beijing Olympics starts. So we're very busy here at the Off the Podium offices right now in the lead up to the Olympics. And we are sincerely hoping you're enjoying our coverage in the lead up to that. So stay tuned for that. We've got some great interviews to come between now and the opening ceremony. And of course, we'll have our full preview episode. That will air at this stage the day before the opening ceremony. And we also will have a special episode that will air the day before that preview episode in which we will play clips of every single one of the guests we've had on the show who are uh, competing. I was about to say playing at the Olympics, but competing at the Olympics. That makes more sense. So this is the first time we've done this. So essentially we will grab a snippet from every athlete that we've had on between Pyeongchang and Beijing who have talked about going to the Beijing Olympics and we will play a slight little snippet there. So maybe this will, I guess, reverse the curse in some ways in the fact that, uh, you know, this bit of a curse that exists on this show about none of our guests being able to win a gold medal after coming on the show. We've had silver and bronzes, mainly Colin. I've only had my one bronze, but uh, we're, we're hopeful that that can change, obviously, with some of the guests we've had on the show. So that'll be another exciting episode to watch. But stay tuned. We've got so many great guests coming between now and and that opening ceremony, and so much to keep you entertained. It is a fun time to be an Olympic fan right now, and an even funner time to be an off-the-podium fan right now. If you love this episode and you want to learn more, head to social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, of course, search for Off The Podium, and make sure you follow all those accounts because we will obviously be very busy during the Olympics. We'll be doing what we did during Tokyo, posting medal wins for both Canadian and Australian athletes across the Olympics and daily medal tallies as well. And if you don't want to miss an episode with daily episodes now, you don't want to miss these. They're going to come to your devices every single day. You're going to want to listen to them and keep yourself busy on the way to work, school, wherever you're listening to us from subscribe to off the podium wherever you get your podcast from we're on spotify stitcher apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, amazon podcast we're everywhere basically so make sure you never miss a beat by subscribing to the show and leave us some feedback we'd love to hear what you think of the show we really would sincerely ben that's just saying and of course youtube as i said subscribe and bonus points i will add watching the video of this chat with chad you'll get to see his puppy that he brought on right at the end of the interview there. So if you want to see his cute little puppy, you'll be able to do so by uh, searching for that on YouTube. Big thanks to Chad once again for his time. Big thanks to you for listening. It's been a great chat. My name is Ben. This is Off The Podium. As always, I will say, of course, a special shout-out to Jason Momoa. And remember, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's been, again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees, and then go, hey, Off the Podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort, and we just love them, and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. 
Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm really going to go now. Bye.